Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name's Noel Willoff and on today's episode I'm joined by Devin Welch. There's strength and vulnerability and this is a theme that runs true across Devin's entire story. Really enjoyed sitting down with Devin and having this conversation and really unpacking his story and some of the adversity that he's faced along the way. Just a quick note for those listening at home, throughout this conversation we do touch on topics such as depression and suicide, so just a gentle trigger warning for you guys that those conversations will come up throughout this interview. Any opportunity to shine a light on mental health in New Zealand is something I'll always stand for, so it was a pleasure to have Devin open up and share his story. No doubt this will help so many people out there listening. Hugely appreciate all of you tuning in to this episode whānau and supporting the podcast. Please remember, if you are listening on Spotify, please make sure you hit the follow button and also rate the show. Same goes if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode number 26. My name's Devin Welch. Um, Born and bred on the Kapiti Coast. I am a working musician. Um, I am a budding producer and uh, I love music and everything to do with it. So that's pretty much why I tick over every day I get out of bed. That's why I roll out of bed. That's awesome. Just trying to find that new avenue of creation or Mm. that new experience. How did you first stumble onto music? I would have been real young. Um, You know, you just grow up through school and that. And um, I used to go to Dad's every second weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, he just had this guitar that always just sort of sat over there in the corner. And then one day when I was big enough to get my arms around it, mm. he sort of um, came through and just like taught me this blues lick. And I just like learnt it and it was mean. And then I went home and I was still playing it. And my mom was like, oh, we'll, we'll get you a guitar. And then that's, that's how it all started, bro. That's sick. Yeah. Um, I've got so many memories as well because I've always had guitars like lying around in my house growing up and just the feeling of how massive they used to be as like a small yeah. boy and like just they're so oversized when you're yeah. like five years old and you pick it up but we had um the red hot chili peppers californication and like bunch of the music videos burnt onto like a videotape yeah so i used to have like my, my little nylon string guitar and i used to try and play along to like californication and stuff classic but I used to get so frustrated myself because I knew, used to know no chords. Yeah. So I'd just be strumming and my guitar would be like totally out of tune. But I'd just be like, why can't I make the same noise that <laughs> you know, the, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers are making? I'm sure so many beginning guitarists come up to that problem, man. Eh? 100%. Yeah, that's so crack up. Um, bro, we've got, we've got lots to unpack with, with your story and, and thanks so much for, for being keen to, to jump on. And I, I feel like this conversation will probably span, you know, a lot from some of the some of the trauma that you've experienced in your life, um, but also what are those steps you've taken throughout those courses of tragic events, which has like built resilience into you being the man that you are today. And there's that cool theme of of music, as we said earlier, which sort of underpins all of these stories. So yeah. we'll definitely hit into that. But um, yeah, I was I was keen keen to take it take it back from the start, bro. Great, being raised in in Carpety, born yep. and bred. Yeah. Um, and then leaving leaving your home at the age of sixteen, and yeah. we're all you know we're kids at the age of sixteen. Like yeah, we're totally. basically a baby. But so. I knew it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> like, that's the mentality we have. <laughs> eh? It's like I and I think back when I was sixteen, it's it's the same thing. Like you're just so naive to the world. Yeah. But um, yeah. What what led you to leave home at sixteen? Well, well, firstly, bro, I was just yeah, I was a, a havoc child. 
really just like had problems with authority, um, just like had a lot of energy and a lot of emotions growing up, which I didn't know at the time. You know, you don't know about those things and just sort of was trying to find a place to put them. Um, it was, yeah, it was me being mischief, bro. Mm. It was me being mischief and just like breaking the rules, bending the rules and just really pushing pushing my parents, um, my mum and my stepdad um, and, and my dad, um, just to the absolute limits. And it just sort of got to that point. Um, yeah, just got real full on. Um, and so my young mind told me I need to get out of here. Wow. I need to get out of here. And I knew I knew the world and I'll be fine. You know, like that's exactly what it was. And I just, yeah, it wasn't clean by any means, but yeah. Did you, when, when you were that age and you're being like a terror to your parents, were you aware that you were being like a shitty 16 year old or like a shitty teenager or like, was it just like, yeah, what, what was that like? I, I knew I wasn't like a, a goody good. Yeah. But um, I knew I knew when I was doing something that was wrong, but there wasn't like the the process of like action and consequence in my head at the time mm. I was doing it. So, I, you know, whether it was with friends or whether I was doing it myself, it was just like, I'd do it. And then I just find myself in these situations where I'm getting punished and it's kind of like, well, this is dumb. Mm. But like just doing the same thing over and over again, just in different different ways. Eh? Mm. Yeah, and man. where do you go if you're 16 years old and you get... Well, you basically didn't get kicked out. You left home. Yeah. So I ran away. Um, bro, like, I, I'd run away a few times. Like, I'm, I, I hate to think about what I've actually put my parents through, but mm. we're good now, which is amazing. Um, but, like, yeah, I just left and just... Because we lived on the outskirts of Ōtaki, um, away from the main town. So I just run towards the town and first time I, like, ran to, like, my primary school that I was going to and just, like, hung out there for a bit. And then um, eventually I ended up running um, away to a friend at the time and... Um, they took me in, yeah. That's awesome, bro. Um, and what was the relationship like moving in with your friend? Were their parents really, like, receptive of you just staying there? Yeah, they were. They were. Um, and it was, yeah, it was It was pretty hard being in the same town as my parents mm. and not really being able to um, to see them, to talk to my mum and just because everything was so heightened and in that regard. But... Um, yeah, I found out years and years later that my mum was actually like ringing the college and making sure that I was still going. Oh, like wow. this was like only like three months ago. This happened when I was at college. Wow, it was so cool. Like to hear that years later. Yeah, bro. Like she was sort of like guardian angeling just yep. in case she needed to come down. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, tell me what's up. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, I was actually born in Ōtaki as well. So. Oh really? Yeah. Um, you're. I was talking to somebody the other day, and your friend group. From the group up in Carpety, the amount of trauma and just rough shit which mm. has happened to the specific group of people is yeah. actually like an it's like an, an it's just I can't even like describe it like the yeah. amount of series of unfortunate events which just happen one after yeah, another right. after another and yeah, it must have sound, well, we can get into some of them but it must have seen seemed like. And was it like this reflecting back now? Are you sort of like, why is it all of this happened to us? Totally. Yeah. Oh, in a big way. Mm. In a big way. Um, yeah, I got yeah, I got to a point where I was just sort of like looking at the sky, just thinking like, Why me? Mm. Like full on just screaming, like Goku trying to power up to like mm. Super Saiyan level for the first time, bro. Mm. Like totally, yeah, that that thought comes across real strong. Um mm. after a few things happen, you start to like, like the first thing happens and you sort of like this is what it is and you, you keep moving and, and you brush it off and then it happens again or, or something else happens and then yeah once you get a few under the belt you start to well I started to question that definitely mm. definitely 
what were some of your like most hardest or vulnerable moments that you can recall back on from in like you know your teenage years to your early twenties? Um, that's a good question. Um, growing up, I thought I was bulletproof, so I didn't really feel vulnerable. Um, and I guess that might have just been like a coping mechanism mm. of me just like leaving the damage behind and just continuing forward because like that's all all you want to do is find the good times you know yeah. that it's sort of natural for us humans to not want to f- have those sad times mm. yeah mm. it's sort of really hard to pinpoint yeah 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 it's tough man and like what um it's it's, it's such a crazy and especially when I, I know you've unfortunately lost lost friends uh through suicide mm. and I have as well and I remember my remember my mum used to always have this photo of her mate on her fridge and I used to always ask her and be like you know who's this guy and stuff and she's like I'll sort of tell you tell you when when you're older and then I found out that yeah he took his own life and I remember just having this feeling I was like man that would never happen to like one of my mates like that that would never happen to to my friend group like that just won't happen at all yeah and then you know, then we lost one of our one of our mates, Sian, when we were like eighteen. He was mm-hmm. living up in Topor, and yeah, and it's like shit. It's just the same. It's such a common story across across New Zealand. And when you actually think back around how many people have experienced one of their friends or a family member, um, you know, in distress totally. through their mental health, like yeah, it's totally. more, more people experience that than not. I'd it's say. crazy. It just it doesn't like it, we know things are out there. Mm. Like there's news from across the world all the time, you know. Um, but like it, it doesn't seem real until it hits home, right? Yeah. Until until it's personal, it's someone that you actually have a connection to, a mm. bond with, uh, and then that's where sort of the the emotional tie part comes from. Today, and I, yeah, I definitely re- remember like when when the bro left. Um, not only was it just like the giantest shock for everybody, it was kind of just like, oh, mm. this is what that is. Mm. Like that's and but you're so busy, your brain's going nuts, your emotions are just so active that you, yeah, you just you're in it. All of a sudden, you're just in it, eh? Mm. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I'll never forget that day, bro. Never forget that day. That was the day my my heart first broke. Like actually, mm. yeah, that that stuff's like. You just wish that on no one, eh? No. But it's it, so so rife. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how we got to that point. Um, and it's insane seeing the repercussions from somebody choosing to take their own life. Like I remember being at being at the funeral of my you know, of, of my friend Sian who had who had passed and, you know, just seeing like his mum having to speak at his funeral, you know. Yeah, man. His dad having to, you know, yeah, say right. words at his at their own their own son's funeral and it's like if only that person, and, and it's like a sickness, right? It's like a disease of the mind mm. which turns you to turn on yourself. Totally. And like take, and, yeah, and take your life. But it's, um, it's, it's like if only that person could see like how much love and support there yeah, is. Yeah, man. You know? it's, yeah. It's, so, it's so tough. And it, change, it changes you for sure. Totally, bro. I, I, know, I agree with you on all aspects there, man. Like um, the bro... He was like, you know, he'd say to us, oh, I don't really have that many friends. Um, and then at his funeral, bro, he packed out Southwood's car museum. There was mm. people lining in the atrium, you know, like out the door, like mm. couldn't even see what was going on. Mm. And and as to the people that like the parents and the friends and they have to speak, man, like there's no there's no worse gig mm. to do. Mm. Like then have to 
be strong for everybody whilst you're going through that loss yourself. Like yeah. I played, I played a song like in the week from when he died to his funeral. I wrote a song for him. What and, was the song called? Um, it's on the album, bro. It's called Infinity and Beyond. Beautiful. Yeah, um, it sort of encapsulates what I was thinking and feeling at the time. Um, it was just me on an acoustic guitar at the um, at the tangi, um, but it's now evolved into a, a masterpiece of wow. amazing musicians on mm. it um, and a ripping solo that sounds like. It could just tear the fabric of space and time. But awesome. um, having to do that um, at his funeral was probably the hardest gig I've ever had. I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. Like, so like I was like, you know, like bringing it all in and just sort of like sitting there, just sort of like not really moving, not really making eye contact with people. I think it was like the second or third thing on like the, the schedule mm. and then like jumping up and just like singing the song. And like it's a bit of a blur. There's a video of it somewhere. I've got mm. a DVD of it somewhere. Um, wow. I still haven't watched it. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as I played that last note, bro, just, just like, yeah. I'm so glad the camera went away from my face <laughs> on that one because I would have just looked like a blubbering mess. Eh? Like, it was crazy. And when you're when you're writing a song like that, is that a way for you to process the emotions that you're feeling at the time? Totally, bro. Um, for that one there, it was just sort of like I had had the the guitar. I made it like previous three weeks or something, and then just that happened. And it sort of lined up with the feelings that were going on. And mm. then the words all on that one just all just came to, just came flying out. And it was like the quickest turnaround in a song I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a real zone moment. I remember at um, Isaac Melanta's funeral, mm. who uh, you know, p- passed away many years back. Rest in peace um, to that boy. But right. the, the same, very similar situation where Ashley Graham, shout out Ash, one of the most yeah. like talented musos, there is, but he he had written a song for um, for Isaac, mm. and he had sung that at the funeral. And yeah. to the to this day, that is the most like heart wrenching and like bone chilling performance I've ever seen. It's just yeah. raw emotion, eh? It's yeah. yeah, it was it was amazing, eh? And it was really really healing for me to be able mm. to um, put that down somewhere, even though there was still so much of it in me because it was so fresh at the time. Um, it sort of like took a screenshot of what I was thinking and feeling of that time. And, and now it's amazing because that's like been a tool for me and, and um, my healing and, and processing that I can revisit that now because it's mm. on the album. I don't have to carry that around. I know that that sacred piece of the bro and the memory is there. And when I, when I need to remind myself of who I am and where I come from, I go, mm. I go back and listen to it and just remind me, you know, when I get caught in the every day to day of like being a human, the little parts yeah, that start bro. to sum up, I look at those and go, that's right. Mm. That's beautiful, bro. Yeah. From being that like sixteen year old like lippy little shit probably. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> like, what it was. What was what was the turning point in your life? Because you know, you're like one of the most mellow, down to earth, lovely, wholesome people. Um Thanks, bro. like humans that I know. So like yeah, what was that what was what were those turning points in your life which, you know, have sort of shaped you to be who you are now? Um uh, yeah, I would say I would, like the the stuff that's made me sort of turn around and start to realise actions um, have consequence would have probably been like um, post college. Mm. So like during college, I was just trying to get through, um, and then yeah, when that stuff started to happen, it was when I started to realise that um, I could actually make huge impacts either way, positive or negative, mm. on other people, and I wasn't totally self aware of the impacts I was having on people and slowly but surely those things 
were seeded so long, but they started to flower and then those things started to come mm. back to me, which was of my own making. But like, you know, that was the time when I realized whole, like, just don't be a dick. But, you know, everyone says everyone's got stuff going on, so just don't be a dick. Mm. And I think that's probably one of the most important things that I learned very quickly. Mm. Yeah. That's good, bro. It's... It's funny, yeah, it takes so much more energy to be like an arsehole than to does. be like just a to nice keep guy. It up. Yeah. Like when I see people on like social media or just in general that are so it can be even in like in a professional setting, like just yeah. so painful to work with. And yeah. it's like it takes so much more effort, effort to be difficult. Totally. Than to be just like yeah. mellow and kind. Yeah, like you that. never see someone who's doing good ripping anyone else down. No. And, then, and then there's like, there is the, the transparent part of like, you know, the different generations and, and what they grew up with mm. um, and like what they believe and where their where their internal beliefs stem from and, and how well they adapt with how the world's changing around them. Mm. You know, like I, I'd seen some people on the beach the other day and I was talking to them. I was like, oh, they see me with the guitar and they're like, where can we listen to your music? And I was like, oh, do you have Spotify? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, do you, do you have Apple Music? No, we don't own a computer. And I was just like, <laughs> Wall, yeah, just wall, yeah. I, I don't realize, like, okay, sweet. Some people are sitting their way and they looked happy, mm. they looked healthy. Mm. It was like, okay, mean something to learn there, you know, mm. totally. Um, yeah, it's funny of different generations and stuff, too. Like, yeah, I had like a crap moment a few weeks ago where, like, my popper, who you know, I love, and you have, you have shit with your family, it, it happens, but he said something like totally out of line, um, yep. to. To, to someone else in my family in front of me and it's just like I feel like yeah and as like a man it was one of those moments where I had to like stand up and challenge him yeah. in front of everyone and like say some not very nice words to him and yeah. he's like you know he's my, he's my granddad it's not yeah. a nice thing to do it's a horrible situation in general yeah but almost from those other generations, I feel like a lot of people can almost hide under the guise of being like outspoken or, totally. oh, that's how we've always done it. Yeah, you know, like totally. I've got my beliefs and it's like, come on, you've got to like get with the times. It's like having your own beliefs and then just being like a bit rude and offensive. So yeah, yeah it was, <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, it was crap. Cause I've never had to like, I'm, it's my, it's my, it's my pop. And, and you don't want to. to. No, yeah. it's horrible to have that yeah. conversation with him and like really challenge him. But I, as like, as like a man, I had to stand up and represent and protect like another member of my family while this was going on yeah. to tell him like, you, you can't, can't do that. You can't do this. Yeah, like, you can't yeah. do that. I get that, bro. I get that. Yeah. Um, Cost you, bro. Yeah. It was, it was, it was challenging. It was challenging. But also I'm like proud of myself for standing up. Totally. And not just letting it slide. Totally, um, yeah. I've I've had that in the workforce a bit. Like mm. I was working demolition. The bro who passed away, he actually got me the job. Mm. Um, and you know there were some pretty pretty hardened people there that had sort of slipped through the educational cracks. Mm. And I'm not there to you know educate anyone, but there was some stuff that like you know there's banter. Like it's all good if everyone's having a laugh, but there was some you know there was some racial things thrown around. It was sure. kind of like okay, they said it once, and then if it continues, you kind of like. Bro, like, mm. we all have to stay in the same building together, like, yeah. and do this mahi together. Like, you can't be doing that. Like, leave that shit at home. Yeah, bro. Like, crazy. Yeah, yeah, some people, eh? And then there's the other part of that, of us, like, trying to understand where they're coming from, you know? Like, like I have that as well. I wouldn't say that any of my grandparents or parents are, are bad people, but they grew up in the era with the things that they grew up with and trying mm. to understand that. And, like, on the top of that, trying to pick my battles of... 
you know, those moments that I would say anything mm. as opposed to the points where it's like in a closed situation and, you know, it mm. could be a little bit more difficult to try and actually get any result. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, th- I think through all of this stuff, when you've, when, when shit's hitting the fan, you've got stuff going on. Like, I feel like relationships are just so important, eh? Like having, totally. having a good support network around yeah. you. Um, yeah, totally. Do you want to speak on like throughout, throughout some of the adversity that you've faced, like what has having positive relationships meant to you and how, how's that, how, how has that helped you throughout those times? Um, so um, number one, some, some of the times where I've been like completely down and out, those people have been the ones that have like kept me afloat. Um, support and reaching out is probably the most important part mm. of trying to um, get out of a funk. Um, I mean, I was, yeah, I was in a deep, deep rut. So after um, my partner and my unborn child died, so I I left home at 16 and when that happened, um, there was a big rift between me and my mum and and my stepdad just because of how things went down. Mm. But as soon as that happened, that was just mended. Those bridges were mended. Mum came down and just from there, it was just like everyone just like surrounded me Mm. and I was then able to drop my guard drop my character and just be. Mm. And it was really important for me to have people that could allow me to do that instead of the people that sort of like, who are, who are meaning well, they come up and they kind of say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, someone made a, um, a reference saying, oh, at least you're not starving in Africa or something. And it was just kind of like looking at that person at the time, just being like, like this is, this is my shit, like, and they're just trying to help. Mm. They're just trying to be relevant in that. But yeah. having those people around um, was was probably the reason why I'm still here. Mm. Um, yeah, it got it got really rough, bro. It got really rough. And yeah, reaching out is the most important part. I just want to drive that home because, mm. like you said before, about the mind turning on itself, and you know, you start to think, oh, no one will miss me. You know, like I went through that, and and then after a while, if you let that stir and you don't say it to anyone, it it just goes round. It's mm. like was it Neville or Seamus on like Harry Potter, bro? Like he just keeps stirring. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then all of a sudden it blows up, you yeah. know, in his face. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also not only reaching out to the people that are around you, but reaching out to the right people um, in terms of like support services and that. Mm. Um, at one point I realized, so I had so many things happen and I was sweet. I was sweet. I had counseling and I did all that sort of stuff. And like I, I managed, I've been managing since I left home. And then I got to a point um, in the last instance where I was just like blown away, didn't have any more um, capacity, any more headroom to keep going. I had like put all of, stored all these things or suppressed all these things. And then um, it was just like my catalog's full, my mm. library's full. I need, I need to talk to someone. I reached out um, to KYS, shout out KYS. Mm, couple of years support. Yeah, yeah, so good. And I talked to them and um, said, I just need someone to help me understand what my brain's doing because I can literally see my brain over here running circles and I can see my emotions over here also mm. like it's just banging and I just seem stuck mm. and I just couldn't see any way any way out of it at all and they um, bumped me up to the top of the line got me to see a clinical psychologist and started unpacking that and man like if it's this wide you take like a little part out and then all of a sudden it just goes boom mm. it just expands I've compressed it like mm. it was so much, man. But mm. they actually gave me like the the science and the the actual explanation of the different parts of the brain and and their jobs. Mm. Um, 
and that was amazing, bro. That was so good. Mm. I like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I remember that. And it was just a huge turning point in me being able to continue to function and live, bro. Mm. That was, yeah, shout out again, KYS, man. Yeah, bro. Doing such good work, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, to- and totally like organizations like that deserve all of the support they can get to keep because there's so many other yeah. like Devons out there right in Kapiti or, or across yeah, the country bro. who just don't even don't even have a sort of support network to even access which is just so so stuffed up um, but man yeah losing your losing your partner and your unborn child that's got to be one of the hardest things like any man can probably ever go through bro yeah and like what were those building steps for you when you went into like a period of of depression? What were those building steps? Obviously, seeing like the clinical psychologist, mm. but helped you to you know get back on track to being who you are. Because I, I can't even comprehend, bro, like the the yeah. hurts you would have felt, yeah, um, and some of those thoughts going inside of your head. Um, yeah, how did you sort of pull yourself out of that? Because it's so easy to, one, not say anything, not mm. speak to anybody, mm-hmm. um, but to let life just consume you. Yeah, um, big question, big question. Um, to start with, I had to rearrange in my own head somehow with all the things that were going on what it actually meant to be a man. And that was, that was um, you know, allowing myself to feel, mm. allowing myself to be weak. Yeah have a moment of vulnerability, you might say. Um, and it was it was just like literally one day at a time, bro, just baby steps. Like we're not coming out here to build the world's biggest wall. Mm. We're coming out here to lay one brick perfectly at a time until we have the finished product, that wall. And that's what it was, bro. There was, yeah, I, I kind of don't know how I fully – got through the thick of it, to be honest, um, other than the support and people checking up on me and making sure that I was still moving and doing my washing and eating and yeah. like all that sort of things. I leaned heavily into um, drugs and alcohol mm. um, to numb for a very long time, um, drinking excessive amounts of alcohol and just smoking a lot of weed mm. um, to escape, um, to, to smooth over what was otherwise a really, really sharp edge mm. that um, was like nails in the bed where you just wake up and it's there. And you're trying to go to sleep and it's there. Mm. Um, but, yeah, man, I grieved for, like, a year straight, bro. Like, a year straight of, like, just waking up, five seconds, it's all back, comes back, boom, just grieving, crying every day. And then the only other five seconds of peace in that day was when I, my mind finally gave up the ghost and I, like, slipped into sleep. Mm. Um, it's It's hard to to put it into like a linear like mm. how to yeah, because yeah, everyone's yeah. got different. such different um, yeah. backgrounds, situations and that sort of stuff. But the the number one thing was working through the emotion, mm. um, which isn't something that we're taught as young men. No. You know, um, my stepdad, love him, doesn't really show or process emotions. And so growing up, I was trying to fit, I was trying to be like him. And, but I had all these raging emotions mm. that were just not going to be put into a box. Mm. Um, and so for me, I had to realize what was going on. And there was just so much, bro. There was mm. so much going on. It was like like getting homework for three years and never starting and just like mm. realizing you got so much and just being like, oh, like yeah. just being overwhelmed yeah, yeah, and yeah. not knowing where to start. Um, but then eventually, um, yeah, getting the right help, speaking to people that have the knowledge 
um, around sort of like emotional intelligence mm. was a huge part for me to being able to like figure out just one part, take one part today, pull it out, what's this feeling, um, try and unpack it, figure out where it, where it came from um, and what it actually means and then be okay with it mm. and realise that that's just a, a part of you. As much as you want to run away from that pain, that's just a part of you that needs some love mm. um, and that way I could put it back down in a healing process process and the healing way and um i would feel lighter mm. even if it was just like the tiniest speck lighter mm. it's just yeah it's it's consistency of just getting up and just putting in the mahi bro just mm. just questioning it and just bringing it forward to shed some light on it and not just pushing it down in the box and, yeah and keeping it in the dark eh? what about routine like how did routine i had no routine eh? yeah. like to start with i was just like yeah bedridden hardly get out of bed but once, yeah, that's what helped with people coming through. Is that, mm. yeah, right, get up, we're going to go have lunch, blah, 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 mm. that sort of stuff. But eventually, when I was standing on my own too, that was really important, bro. That mm. was really important. Yeah, not hitting the snooze. Even if you just roll out of bed and make your bed, yeah, you're, you're, you've won, yeah. like, the battle. Because yeah. I, I can only imagine how many people just don't, like, you know, like a big night out when you know you should probably get up and shower and mm. continue with the day and go do stuff. But like, yeah, there's, there's just this voice in the back of your head just being like, nah, mm. nah, you don't, you don't need to do that. You, mm. Like, what's, what's that going to change? You know, yeah. like, what's that going to change? Yeah. Just yeah. changing that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's crazy, man. But like massive kudos and props to you for like standing up here being on a podcast and people will be listening to this in their car running on, you know, at work or whatever. But I think having these conversations about mental health and practical examples of, yeah. you know, like what, what it felt like to be in like the worst period of your life, like, but just actually speaking about it makes other people realize that when they feel that feeling too, it's okay. You know, like totally. it's, they're, they're not alone. Other people totally. experience this, this sort of stuff to, oh. to different degrees and levels, obviously. Yeah, but. man. I've, I've got this thing that I say to people about that exact same thing is that, um, you know, if there is a, an afterlife or, or, or that sort of thing and we're all able to join each other again and, mm. and we sit down and we talk about the things that we experienced here on earth, I believe um, if we all talked about our sins or, or the things that we hid away, um, by the end of it, if we all sat down in a circle and shared with one another, we'd end up in hysterics just laughing at ourselves mm. and each other for our lack of originality. Yeah. Everyone's thinking, like, has the same thoughts. Like, you know, they really do. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we all we all struggle with the same things at different varying levels and different times of our lives. It's just, yeah, if there's anything I can do and to help people um, realise that, you know, you can just call it all about it mm. and that, if you do that and be brave, then mm. you'll open yourself up to to, to change, to mm. changing the way things are. Because who wants to sit in a in a depression? No one wants to. Mm. But mm. we sometimes find ourselves there, and that's okay. Mm. Like you, you can't be happy all the time. Yeah. Like that's that's just life. Yeah. Like, totally, totally. It's like a false sense of reality that everyone just feels. 100% all the time yeah. like yeah I'm great like yeah. I'm sure there's the, the odd the odd person like maybe a really smiley neighbor might actually be like yeah, yeah. I don't know but simpler, simpler lives I believe is the answer to those ones eh? it's totally. so complicated like seeing things on screens and on TV and in movies yeah. and like just just comparing ourselves to those is sort of like but then I see people that are just like you know those people that didn't have computers mm. on the beach, walking, holding hands. They're like both grey haired and mm. they just like look like they're having the time of their life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely joy in like the simplicity of 
being disconnected from like social media and technology technology totally i'm i'm really concerned for like I feel like my, my generation in particular, we were like really the guinea pigs when it came totally. to social yeah. media. Like we were like the first generation to be at high school or even that like late late stage primary school where we had like a phone. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, well, I, yeah, my, my first phone, <laughs> funny story, my first phone um, was a Nokia 2280. Yeah. Those things are just so robust. We used to play like, play like hacky with it at lunchtime, <laughs> like all sorts Use of things. as a cricket ball. Yes, like, bro, yeah. like almost. Eh? <laughs> um, but I, I remember the first time I got a cell phone, um, I worked on mum's farm just like to get the money because yep. I just wanted to text this girl. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. I like, worked my ass off to get it. It was like, um, I think it was like, Boost Mobile at that time, like yeah. hook it up, we want it now. Correct. Like way back then, and then yeah, it just like dial up, mm. then then broadband, and then fiber. It's just like whoa, like we were there for the like the beginning. Totally. Right. And also the beginning of where like social media is not like regulated at all. It's literally yeah. just like the wild west. And, yeah. Like I'm, who knows? Like may, maybe in like forty years from now, we'll look back into like TikTok or like Instagram, it'll be like, however they crafted this, it was way too addictive for people. Like we need to change like how these things are structured. Yeah, man, um, it's crazy. Cause like the court systems, if something like that, as, as things evolve, like if something like that happens and it hasn't happened before, that court case, they come down hard because mm. that sets the precedent for anyone else that mm. ends up doing that. And like, you don't see any of that. No, you don't. You don't see any of that. Like yeah. you, you, we all know it's there. Yeah. Just yeah. like we all know that like too much sugar is bad for everyone, but it's still in the foods. Yeah, stuff, exactly. You know? like, it's crazy. We may be the guinea pigs, but I think we turned out okay. Just a few. Oh, totally. A few, a few, a few weird things which people <laughs> will have to deal with a bit later. But <laughs> it's all right, um, bro. There was so that was in 2013 when your partner yeah. and your um, your unborn uh, ten years baby. Ten, yeah, ten Far years. Out. Holy shit! Wow, that's crazy. Does it feel like a long time ago or like a blink of an eye? It, it, yeah, well, I mean, so much has happened. So much amazing things has happened mm. as well um, in that time. It's, it always is with me. Um, I think when you have someone that you care about and they pass away, they're always with you and mm. they become part of who you are yeah. and you carry them forward. So I have conversations with them all the time. Bro. It's beautiful. Like, and I'm, I'm hoping that they, they, they're proud of me, you know. Like, oh, absolutely. For sure. Totally, man. Totally. Um, when it comes to your music as well, was there a specific song that like has, has any part of your album Freedom dedicated to that part of your life? Yeah, I think I think it's almost like a stencil of of that time of my life. Um, the 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 first it's sort of yeah it's in um, chronological order. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's actually in, in order. Yeah, in in time. Wow. Um, Except for the first two songs, which I had to switch because they were um, one was an instrumental, and I wanted once the lyrics were there, yeah, just to keep lyrics in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they all were um, definitely snapshots of my life or that of that occurrence at mm. the time, which is pretty amazing because it allows me to immortalize what I was feeling and mm. thinking at the time and and put it down. Like so, with the healing process, like you're carrying all the stuff around. So I was. Music is amazing in that way that you can actually create something to pour the emotion into. I mean, it doesn't take it all, mm. but like it's there, and you can literally you can literally go back to that at any time and compare. Like you know, especially if you you get lost in the future or something, mm. you go back and and see that. And for me, it's been amazing for me to be able to go back and see 
how much I've actually been through mm. when I get sort of bogged down in the nitty gritty of like everyday human life, you know, the small things all yeah. pile up and then I look at that and I'm like, actually, yeah. these things don't actually mean that that much. They're not actually that big mm. in comparison. Mm. You know, comparison can be a great thing. Yeah, totally. It can be. And also comparison is a thief of joy. It's a terrible stick to measure yourself against, eh? Totally, yeah. totally. When it comes to your songwriting, bro, like what is, what's your process for songwriting and being creative? It's different every time, bro. Um, like I said, with the bros song, I had the um, guitar. I just sat down on the guitar and um, played the guitar. And then all of a sudden, when the occurrence happened, the lyrics came through. Mm. Um, sometimes I'll just be like walking or doing something. And then just like as if I turned on, like my head was a radio and I turned on the radio, like something comes through and I quickly jump on my phone. And I just, I jot it down. Crazy. I've got a, I've got a, like a folder full yeah. just like pages of like statements or like little rhymes or like just so many things then there's also for the stuff we're about to record mm. um where i've got like i've got two songs completely like done um just going there to record it and then i've got like five to six ideas which I have some forms for mm. and I'll take it to the band room and um, I'm blessed to have the most talented musicians awesome. in my corner writing this waka with me to help me when I get stuck mm. and to creatively input um, their own ideas mm. into it to make it what it is. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're writing on at the moment. And then there's sort of the side which I've started getting into like beat making and producing where I'm doing that because being on Waiheke, um, you can't just go down the road and have a drink with the bros in Wellington. <laughs> you know, like, it's not sort of like that. Um, so I've got like focus on making music that way, which yep. is an alternative way for when I can't be in the band room, yep, which has cool. been really helpful, yep. real helpful. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing how like words can just come to you for certain, like as a way to express yourself. Yeah. And uh, like what even is an idea? Like I've heard like Joe Rogan talk about this before. He's like, what is the essence of an idea? It's basically magic, right? Like yeah. it's just this thing which pops out out of nowhere yep. and then you can literally create it like this cup for example like yeah. this was a, an idea in somebody's brain like to produce a computer or a microphone or a table like yeah. it's all planes like yeah, things that people everything. like thought was impossible like just comes through there's so many different ways eh? that's what i love about the arts and like mm. how you know all musicians are so like they've got their own quirks mm. or like even like um artists that like paint or like spray or like anyone carving mm. like they all they're all sort of like a, a medium i believe you know yeah, like, and they sort of like tune into the things that they um, tune into and they resonate at the level and then um, they're, they, it's, it's like they're at a, a, a resonant wavelength and something just sort of reaches mm. out and just sort of like touches or like prods them and then all of a sudden the thought and then they just like, if they go into action, then that's how, how they come forward. Mm. I believe that for me as well, like especially with like writing sad songs, mm. like it's very obvious that I was feeling sad when I write a sad song. Yeah. But then also when you're having an amazing time or, or you're curious about something, yeah. Um, it comes across in the lyrics or in the music that you make yeah. around it. Yeah, that's super special way. Um, and I'm like a massive fan. I, I, I absolutely love I'm always listening to music. Um, and a cool part about doing this podcast as well is being able to sit down with musicians and like yeah, pick their brain. We just had Reese Rich on um, last week, which was really cool. We've, we've had Will, the bro Will McLean. Yeah, bro, I love what Will's doing. Yeah, he's, he's smashing it. Um, Whenever you see like a live, I'd love to get your take on this, but whenever you see like a live performance, you see like a band just like literally in the groove, is there something that you guys experience as like a collective band 
because it seems like you guys are all just in sync mm-hmm. with each other. And if somebody fucks up, it's like, you know, you can sort of move and mold your way through yeah. like errors and stuff. Like, do you feel in that moment when you're jamming, doing a gig, for example, like you guys are almost one? Like, it's like some weird, I don't know. It's, like, it's, it's called it's the pocket, bro. The pocket, the you're pocket. in the pocket. Yeah, you're in the pocket. You're, you're all synced up. It's a really sort of like t- telekinetic thing because mm. um, you can't just turn around and be like, chorus, bro. Exactly. Like, you know, like, exactly. yeah. um, you have to have either signs or just know the tunes really well. But yeah, man. Um, and that's sort of like, what every live performer sort of strives for, I believe, is to find that essence, that magic, because um, it's a it's a vibe, bro. Mm. It's like it's a f- yeah. That's probably the most yeah. That's the that's the best part about music is when you hit those spots and you just th- I can't explain the feelings. It's like better than any drug you could ever take. You could not substitute anything for when you're in that moment. And it's to do with the sound that's being made as well. Like sound is a huge, yep. huge part of um, how humans interact and, yeah. and, and, and envelop the world. We use sound to communicate. Like it's, yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a ritual when yeah. you hit that. It's yeah. sort of like, you know. Yeah, it seems cool. I've like never had to really experience it before, but I'm sure it's like just an incredible feeling. Yeah. Um, what, are your, what are your goals with music, bro? Like where do you want to take this? That's that's a really good question because that's the things that we're focusing on right now is um, is how far how far do we want to take this? What does success look like? Mm. Um, I want to be performing and doing music or producing or doing sound for the rest of my days mm. in any format whatsoever. Whether I'm going to like like working on the six sixty um, mm. tour or whether I'm driving trucks full of equipment to the shows, I just want to be in that realm as a basis. As your purpose. As, as my purpose, bro, yeah. as a basis. And so for me personally with my music, my goals are to spread my messages as my life goes on. So what I've had and what will come, and I just want to reach as many people and just sort of like find the people that resonate with that stuff mm. and just give them little gifts that come to me that potentially aren't even meant for me. Mm. They just come through me. But eventually, if I was to knuckle it down to my actual top five goals, I want to be touring internationally. Sick. I want to be playing enough shows that I can, like, you know, buy a house. Mm. I want to be um, doing the business part of it so that all of the people on my team are looked after. Mm. And like, that's that's a big that's a big like goal. But um, we're making we're making moves towards that right now. That's awesome, is. brother. I love I love hearing someone like verbalize and articulate, actually say out loud out loud yeah. their goals. Yeah, bro. And especially when they're when they're ambitious, like so many people would never say that sort of stuff out loud. You know, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like as I've gotten older as well, like the people which I always look up to and admire are people like creators, like creatives, creators, people who are producing stuff who are like. Actually, you know, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this business, or like, you know, I'm gonna like, drop, I'm gonna make an album. Like people who make stuff, yeah, and put it out there into the world for like the world to basically judge and receive and yeah. like get value from. Like those, those are those are the people within society today which I think should be valued a lot more instead of you know you got fucking like Andrew Tate and stuff yeah. like, <laughs> like we should be just like entrepreneurs creative musicians like 
podcast I'm probably a bit biased uh, yeah. <laughs> but like you know these like doctors are pretty important too I might say totally. that but, um, but what do they want to do on their weekends when they're not doing that yeah 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 they probably want to go see a movie or a show or listen to a podcast like yeah we're, yeah, we're a part of the economic cycle mm. that's for sure mm. you know entertainment has always been around yeah and will always be around Totally. That's why people go watch rugby games. Exactly. Why people go to like the circus. Up the wires. Yeah. <laughs> Up the wires. Up the wires. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, I love it. Who, who's you, like, who are you listening to at the moment? Who's your biggest like music inspirations? Wow. That's a, that's a real big question. Um, I'm currently listening to um, a band called Dr. Recknor's new oh, EP. Yeah, yeah bro. Um, Luther. Yeah. Uh, our drummer. Um, drums with those guys and Jules who's also on Journey to Freedom my album oh, plays yeah. with those guys as oh, well sick. with those girls so um, um, those released like a new EP as well eh? yeah yeah yeah. Big, big jamming that it's good yeah um, there's so much there's so there's so many to name mm. like and it's all New Zealand homies mm. like at the moment um, I, I still have my like West Coast hip hop playlist yeah over to the side um yeah, it's and, and all these bands that I'm meeting in um, Auckland, like there's this um, band called Shoeless. Mm-hmm. You'll probably start to see their name pretty soon. Um, yeah, man, there's so much talent in New Zealand. Mm. It's ridiculous. Mm. Even just on the Carberry Coast, I thought there was a lot of talent. But once I left, it was like, no, this is everywhere. Yeah, bro. This is everywhere because he's just in the garage or in like the shed. Yeah, like, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in NZ. A lot of cool grassroots talent. Yeah, totally. Um, it's like everything, eh? Like, but the pathway to sustain yourself, especially in New Zealand, as we don't have that like economy of scale, can be like a really tricky path to like nail. Yeah, yeah. And like, you look at someone like Six Sixty, like they're they'll probably go down as like the biggest band of all time. Well, like from recent in modern, the modern era, the fact that they can like sell out stadiums. Yeah. In NZ, like that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's it's good mahi, bro. Mm. It's good mahi. I think they're even starting a label, eh? Mm, true. Yeah, yes, man. Doing doing their own thing, which is cool. From from the grimy flats of Dunedin to where they are now, it's pretty it's pretty sick. Yeah, man. Yeah, they definitely got like a lot of media coverage as well, eh? Mm. And that was like, I feel like it's one of the parts that re- like was, like their music speaks for itself, but mm. like their media coverage is just like outright just everywhere. Yeah, like and yeah. Whoever was doing that, good job. Yeah. Give me a call. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, if we head back to your to your story as well, bro. Sure. Um, if we just re- rewind a bit. So in, in 2016, there was a tragic um, a tragic incident, a longboard accident. Yeah. Um, I, I think I remember seeing stuff pop up on, on Facebook and that. Um, what, what was the brother's name there? Tristan. That passed? Trist- yeah, Tristan. Tristan, yeah. Um, can you maybe speak on on that experience if, if you want to. Um, yep. And again, like, I, I must have felt you you were coming into, like, a better place and then another crazy life event happens. Yeah. And, like, how do you go about rebuilding, like, yourself again from all of that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, firstly, I'd start off by saying how me and Tristan sort of, like, knew mm. each other. We were living together um, down in Bomati and um, I'd, had sort of met Tristan and, and found out that he was like this longboarder mm. guy and like everyone was he was just such a dude, bro. Mm. He's just such a dude. Always like joking around, having a good time. And him and I, like, his passion was longboarding and my passion was like music. Mm. And so our conversations would never be idle chit chat. We'd always be talking what each other were up to and stuff, like and seeing what was going on and just like there was there was a synergy there, bro, that was like really, 
really big for for him and I. Mm. Um, and I, had, I hadn't even known him that long, bro. Mm. Um, like to the point where he would come to me, he was saying, oh, I've got this video of me bailing that someone in America, this TV show is like, hit me up to use. And he's like asking me like, do I know anything about that? And I was kind of like, well, there's a couple of different ways you could go about it, blah, blah, blah. You either get paid once or they continue to pay you if they're going to keep to use it, yeah. that sort of stuff. So yeah. we're always yeah. just talking about what we love to do. Must be the bad slam if they wanted to... Oh, it's pretty, yeah. He doesn't do things things by heart. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we we knew each other. Um. And I just just quit my job to do music full time. Mm. So like we were just like really mm. engaging in that. Um. And then so he sort of asked me to, um. Oh, we're gonna go do a run. Do you do you want to come along? And I was like, in my little room, I was like, Nah, bro. I've got all these gigs this weekend. Like taking it real seriously, having just like quit my job and mm-hmm. like taking that scary leap, mm-hmm. and then. Um, so they went off and then um, I was like, oh, better go have a shower. And he came back and then he's sort of like, are you sure? And I was like, you know what? Fuck, man, you're so supportive of me and what I do. I'm going to come support you. And then um, on the way he asked me to drive and, and then, yeah, it happened, bro. And it was sort of like, yeah, um, it was hard to come back from that with the bro being so entrenched in, in, in Carpety and, and the and the friend groups that put a lot of strain on a lot of relationships. Mm. Um, his parents were just so loving, so loving, bro. They really helped me um, navigate that time. Mm. Um, and they still do to this day. Mm. Um, and out of that came some really beautiful relationships um, with some of his friends, which I've gotten to know, um, Taylor Franks, um, I already knew his older sister, um, Amy, and now Melissa and I, um, his other sister, we, we've got another mm. another amazing relationship that's forged from that. It's kind of part of the the healing and the processing um, that I learned to do was reframing things, you mm. know, because when it's all pretty hectic, um, you need to be able to reshape and reframe things in your own mind to... Mm. Alleviate some of the pressure. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? By reshaping things in your mind? Can you elaborate on that? So, in a dark time, training yourself to be able to find one good thing, and then that, that one good thing might be the one thing that pulls you through it, instead of just being lost, like in the void of space. That's sort of how I I mm. describe it. And so, you know, it doesn't happen immediately. Um, and it and sometimes hindsight is a part of it. Yeah. But like knowing now that. Taylor and I have the relationship that we have, because mm. um, I end up, you know, he end up calling me up here, come around to the, come around to the shed, and we just go around there jam. We end up in a band for a while, awesome. Like, um, and just like the guy's got the biggest heart, and he's just like, mm. he's yeah. And to have that from that shit situation, mm. um, I could have just hid. Yeah, I could have just been like, oh, thanks, bro, and just put the phone down. Yeah, but yeah, I had yeah. to reframe that I was, I was worthy. Because yeah. at the time, I just felt like I was everyone's worst enemy, and everyone hated me. And I, yeah, I took myself away from the world. I really did. I took myself away from everyone. And that was mostly for me mm. to be like, there's so much going on in my head and there's so many emotions. I need to pull myself away from everything mm. and just see what's me mm. and what I'm and what else is like me picking up from other people because other people were in pain and mm. grieving as well. It was just like, it's a thick mix mm. to sort of navigate. Was that on 
Whereabouts were you guys? Where was he? Was it Pakakariki Hill Road? Nah, or? nah. He's got a video of his run of that, which yeah. is more than impressive. Dude, um, it's like insane skill and like balls you've got yeah, to do. Bro. Like shit. Yeah, I was up up the um, back of Kapiti there, up the, the back, back of Valley Road, up the up the top there, hanging towards the Mangatooks. Shit, it must have just felt like a bad dream, eh? Yeah, it was. Uh, bro, it was the first. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. It was crazy, man. Um, and that was your first time seeing him bored as well. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it was. It was. I. I. There was the. There was the day I remember seeing my brain spinning around on its own, separate from me. Mm. So I was over here curled in a ball, and and my brain was just like fuck, 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 like just going round, and I saw it as like almost like a s- separate entity while I was in shock. It was mm. real weird experience. Mm. Real weird experience. Mm. Yeah, I had a really, really weird experience that day. Like just sitting there, I like, I wasn't gonna say this, but I was sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I just felt this big like warmth. I was just sitting down, just like rocking back and forth, and I felt this big warmth, and like it felt like someone like put a blanket over me, and I was sitting there, and then I, and then I heard his voice, and he's like, "It's okay, bro. It's okay. I'm my brain's over here going fuck, 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 and over. I'm over here being like." <sighs> Like speechless And like I was sitting up against a fence And and that was just going over While my brain was spinning over there Over and over again And I'll never forget it And it was like It was like someone had like grabbed me Like covered me from behind And then I was there for however long I was there for And then The the warmth like lifted And then I didn't realise But a whole bunch of sheep had come up to the fence Like a big flock of sheep Which weren't there when I sat down And then when the only reason I realised they were there because when the warmth lifted, they all bolted uh. real quick from the fence, and that was sort of like the opening of me thinking about the afterlife and like later on because I, you know, I yeah, yeah. So and do you feel like that was Tristan in that moment? Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think I think we'd be foolish to think that this was it. Mm. What happens in those moments afterwards? Like, do you did did you have to call like an ambulance or no? So there was there was a team of us there that day, um, and um, so we we had people at the bottom of the road to make sure that cars wouldn't come yeah. up and stuff. Like yeah. we we were doing our utmost, bro. Yeah. We were doing our utmost, and it was just like, yeah, a, f- a freak accident. Um, that yeah, it's hard, man, because you can never take that shit back, eh? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's hectic, bro. It's hectic. Um, who Yeah fuck Cheers to Tristan bro Cheers bro I'm sure he was An absolute legend He is Yeah Um As well like Through these times of Adversity What has been like The single If you can reflect back On like the support That you've had From others along the way Like what was Who, who was that person That like helped you Out the most And why is it them Because of their actions mm-hmm. It's it's hard to pin it to one person because I had I have and at the time had so many quality connections with people. That's sort of one of my things is I love I love connecting with people and, and forming a bond if it's you know reciprocated mm. and there's just a level of like friendship that I have with some people where it's like you know these people would take a bullet for you and yeah. you'd take a bullet for them. Yeah. Um, and at the time I remember um, Luther bro, Luther was just. He was my best mate at the time. He'd been through with all the stuff that had happened before, was there right by my side. Mm. 
And yeah, he's he was just it was the consistency, bro. It was the you know mm. once once the hype has all like died down and everyone goes back to their lives and they stop focusing on this event. Yeah. It was those people that were consistent and kept on checking in with me and just like sending me a message or sending me like a, a shit meme or like, mm. you know, like those people that were just continually just like, even if they weren't saying anything, they yeah. were just like reaching out and just yeah. making sure that in their way that I knew that I wasn't in this alone because mm. it definitely, definitely felt like that at times, mm. bro. It just like, I just didn't want to like, bother people with my shit and just be like you know these people are all hurting now from this as well like who am I to mm, yeah but like a, a lot of like yeah you, I, I guess like intense like almost shame that you'd that you'd feel Bro, like not knowing how to navigate that grief massive massive and just the easiest well yeah the easiest which isn't the best way is just to avoid it mm. and just to avoid them mm. and like I did that mm. I did that and you know, some of those relationships still haven't even fully healed. And that's and that's hard to live with. Like, but over time, as people come into their own maturity or um, you, you learn more things about yourself, I believe that we all like tend to unravel those things because who wants to who wants to carry shit like that around mm. for the rest of your lives? Totally. Like, no one can change anything. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. Once you get past that, it's sort of a little bit easier to fathom that, you know. It's gonna, it's gonna work out. Mm. It's gonna work out. I believe that. You're a strong man, mate. You're a strong <laughs> fucking man. Thanks, like through, through the notes that you sent through, it's like, man, like if one of these events happened to someone in their life, you know, like that's that's enough. Like that's yeah. way too much. But the fact you've had like several crazy happen in such short time too. too. And like I was only just finding myself. I was like what 21 or or something. You know, like crazy. I was just coming into like being an adult and. And all that sort Dating of stuff. confidence. Yeah, man. Like mm. music was going real well, and like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Mm. And then it just all, yeah. And back to what you said earlier, I'm just sitting there like, what the, why me? Like, what is this? Like, and then it sort of like programmed me into like, what's next? Mm. You know, and I had to break that before I projected that for the rest of my life. You know, mm. and that's, that would have been all that I would have sent. What does your standard standard week look like, bro? Have you got any like morning routines? So first of all, Waiheke Island is a luxury island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the moment, I've just um, changed my completely re redone my routine. So because I'm working for myself, mm -hmm. um, it's sort of depends on what comes in day by day. Um, there's a lot now that's going into um, logistics and planning um, and liaising with people around gigs. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, there's just so many emails back and forth. Um, so I get up um, at five most days. Nice. Um, and try and do some exercise. Nice. Firstly, oh, I make my bed and then I try and do some exercise. Yeah. Um, what, kind of, what kind of exercise do you do? At the moment, I'm focusing on a little bit of weight training. Nice, bro. Um, as well as flexibility. Cool. So, like, after we're done that, um, we, we go and um, do a little stretch session. Nice. Um, I've actually brought, I actually brought, like, some stuff down with me. So, um, I've set up, like, this little gym at the bro's house and Damn. I've been hustling him early in the morning. Yeah. Like, like just turning up and just like knocking on the door and just like let's go let's let's go let's go leg day yeah. let's go yeah, yeah. push <laughs> yeah um and then breakfast I'm a breakfast man yeah yeah what's for brekkie what oh you bro do? I am the weirdest cookiest <laughs> person when it comes to what I eat for breakfast yeah. you really want to know yeah I do I want to hear okay um I don't care if you do but please don't judge me for this uh, <laughs> I have marmite on toast yeah standard kiwi classic 
hold your hold hold your hand. Here we go. <laughs> and then I'll I'll make garlic mushrooms. Yeah. Um, Bougie. Yeah, and then I'll like chop up like half an onion. Yeah. And then that goes on top of the marmite. No, yes, no, no, no. These are separate, yeah, separate yes, meals. Yes, nah, nah, This is on top of the marmite, and then I'll put an egg on top of that. You're ju- no, you're taking nah, the verse. No, nah, I'm not, bro. I'm not. And I, I, I um, poach the egg, and then I put a couple of dollops of like um, barbecue sauce on it, and then <laughs> sprinkle like a little bit of parmesan, and it just all melts together, and you get like the mushroom, you know, like your standard mushroom yeah, yeah, eggs. Yeah, yeah. You get that, and then you just get this uppercut of marmite tang, which I love. I love marmite. Bro, why wasn't this the central like the center point of the podcast? Like, <laughs> surely. Uh, what are the people to listen, bro? <laughs> <laughs> how did you even like come across? Like, how did you even think of that as uh, marmite and like poached egg and I mushroom? Can't, and I onion? can't remember who it was. Someone, someone showed me it, and it was just it was just marmite and a poached egg. And like, so interesting. Yeah, and I they, promise I'll try it. Yeah, I'll, if you flex, like send me through some of the <laughs> some of the ingredients, I'll, yeah. um, I'll give it a review. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Why would you do that? And, I, and then they made it for me. And I was like, you know what? It must have been someone that like, would have smoked a little something. Like, like, <laughs> like just looking at in their, in their pantry and like, what have we got nothing to eat? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I could probably wreck like, like some eggs or uh, some marmite. I bet my girlfriend's going to be like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. That is hilarious. So yeah, big big morning guy. Yeah, big morning guy. Um, and then yeah, getting out of the house is, is a key. A key. Um, I learned that from one of my guitar teachers early yep. on. His name's Dieter. Dieter Burmester. He's from um, Germany, but he's been here for so many years. Um, he's yeah. He's just like he goes out rain, hail or shine, eh? Every single day, at least once. He bikes to. down to the shop. He goes down to the aquatic centre. Like goes for a swim. So like learning that. And then um, I've got a dog. Oh man! Shout out to Soda. Oh sweet! What kind uh, of dog? Uh, she's an Australian Kelpie cross. Oh, Kelpies yeah. are nice. I like Kelpies. Yeah. So um, because I get to be so flexible in my schedule, taking her for the walks usually falls on me, which yep. is great when you're yep. on Waikiki Island. Yeah. Um, and so take her for a, a little bit of a tuck out, so she gets a little bit tired, so I can put her up on the bed while I do some more admin, and then when she gets sick of being there, we go for another walk. Beautiful. And put her in a different spot, and, and then just whatever needs to be done that day, bro. Just practice. Yeah, whatever comes my way. Nice, brother. Which is, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have the morning better routine because everything else could be quite sporadic. Mm. And I feel like routine is really, really important to, mm. like, consistency. Mm, 100%. Routine yeah. is everything, eh? Yeah. Routine is absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, we'll finish up, surely, with some quick-fire questions. But, bro, where can people stay in touch with you and your mahi? Cool. Um, yeah, um, Devin Welch on Facebook, if, if you want to show your mum or your grandparents. Yeah, bro. Um, we'll chuck and, some links in the description as well. Yeah, um, Instagram, Devin Welch underscore. Um, you can check out um, Spotify. I'm on there. Um, if you want to purchase it, then you can go to Bandcamp, which is an amazing thing. Um, Bandcamp uh, pretty much give most of the money straight to the artist. Awesome. And they also have a thing, um, I think it's every last Friday of the month, they just have no fees and they give all the money to the artist. So that's if you incredible. want to support like artists that you love, that's a, that's a great way to do it. That's Shout a great piece of advice, bro. That's really good. Because Spotify just like feed your peanuts, but it's what I've heard, unless you're making like like hundreds of millions of streams. Yeah, we, eh? we, ca- we calculated it the other day, like a couple of days ago, and it was like 0.003 times a million streams end up being like I think it was just under three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars. For a million streams. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. It's like where's where's that money going? Yeah. Like just some executives in the Spotify office. Yes, like, yeah, Snoop Dogg's got a video out like when you get a million plays and you don't make a million dollars, 
Like, yeah. can someone explain that to me? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How does that work? Yeah, that is fucked up. Um, sweet, bro. What brings you true happiness? Good times with good people. Mm. So, like, um, using a gig as, as an example where we're playing a mean gig, where we have the crew come along, we play a really good show, friends and family are there, and we all share in the vibe and we just create this atmosphere. Mm. Those, those are the moments that give me true happiness because we need each other as humans, man. Mm. If I was doing that by myself, mm. it'd be dumb. Yeah. It'd be dumb. I love that. Advice you wish about, advice you wish you knew about when you were younger? I wish I wish I had known more about business growing up, considering I left home and was like yeah. was working like a little job at New World for like seven dollars and ten cents an hour or whatever it was. Yeah, bro. I did I did my time at New World as yeah. well, my first job. On the checkout? Yeah. I was produce. Oh nice. Hated it. Ah, uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> at least I got to know what the town was up to, you know, mm. being on the checkout. <laughs> ah, yeah, you would you would. Lots of gossip. <laughs> yeah, bro. Man. Um, what does legacy mean to you? Legacy is sort of like, to me, means the impression that you leave. So um, whether that's things you've done or things that are continuing to be done, legacy uh, um, means the impression that you leave on the world. And, and the legacy that, like, I don't, I don't really care if people know about me, to be honest, but the one I do want to leave, I believe most parents want for their kids, is I just want people to know that Devin was out here doing his thing, like taking no breaks, just mm. shooting for the stars, doesn't matter where he landed, he was just shooting, he was aiming high, because if you're not aiming high, you're aiming low. Mm. And just, like, I want people to, you know, see me for who I am, flaws and all. Mm. That's my legacy, bro. And I hope people can step into that, because that's that's the way forward to be good with yourself, mm. just to accept yourself and just put it out there. That's, a that's one of the nicest responses I've ever had to that to that question and get a lot of, um, yeah, different ideas and perspectives on legacy and one that, you know, legacy is how you make people feel at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome. If you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? Wow. That's that's hard. That's that's really hard to pinpoint. There's probably way more qualified people to answer that question than, <laughs> than me. If if there was one thing I could change. It could be like a Policy, it could just be like you got a magic <clears throat> stick, you can just go like boom, this thing has changed. Yeah, it'd be that regulation I was, we were talking about, bro. It'd be about like there being safer ways to access the technology that's being developed, mm. um, and and um, yeah, more regulation around that because it is a huge part of like mental health struggles is mm. looking at screens and all that sort of stuff. That'd mm. be, yeah, I feel like, yeah, having that would actually help a mm. lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen a documentary, Social Dilemma, but yeah, he's right. like a correspondence um, with the start of social media and like peak uh, suicide trends for like young teenage girls True. in the States. I can't remember that stat, but yeah. I watched it. I yeah. remember watching it. It was buzzy that you say that because the clinical psychologist that I went to, she was like, you know how people do like theses in their mm -hmm. study? She was delving into the effect that technology has on that on us um, from like phones all the way to like just instead of going through the checkout and talking to someone going to the self-scan checkout and like yeah. the difference like that fork in the road can, can lead to True. with mental distress and stuff mm. it's mm. all fascinating stuff yeah it's busy eh? mm. uh, what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young people in New Zealand I had a conversation about this not a few days ago with um, my good friend David Orchard 
um, shout out Dave, and and we came to the conclusion, agreed that I think the bulk of information that is available is swamping people's brains, young people's brains, and giving them so much that they're so focused outwardly on trying to sift and make decisions on all of these things that are available that the time and the focus that they need for self growth and development, you know, away from screens as well, isn't being pointed towards themselves, their time and their and their energy and their focus is being d distracted to outside things and mm -hmm. the information there's just like, it's just clogging up people's brains because there's, you know, so much to sift through to figure out whether it's true or not Yeah, and like what's a reliable source and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, I feel like if there was less outside because there's enough going on inside, mm. that would definitely help young people to, mm. you know, journeys through and navigate life like less noise yeah yeah there's really a lot of noise in your own head yeah yeah i like that it's cool um well yeah cheers bro we'll finish up on a bit of a quote but just want to say a massive thanks for um coming on the show sharing your story getting vulnerable thanks, a, a few a few times I was, I was holding back some of the tears there so um yeah like, i think this is like what we said earlier like having these conversations about mental health like the good the bad and the ugly um, and hearing that through practical stories mm. and like your lived experience as like tragic as it is I'm sure you sharing this today will help somebody that's listening at home so thank that, you bro that's the goal bro thanks for having me on no, it's, a, it's a pleasure man um, resilience is, is accept resilience is accepting your new reality even if it's less good than the one you had before you can fight it you can do nothing but scream about what you've lost or you can accept that and try to put together something that's good Elizabeth Edwards. Cheers, bro.